as we're studying in this first, just one verse today, just in one verse, we're going to lay a little foundation of what is one of the principles, what is one of the things needing to happen in order for the power of God to come, the gospel to be preached. And it rests in that, in that Honda. It rests right here in the Honda. Um, being in one accord. And you want to talk about that in a minute. So before we get into the Honda, let's talk about the day of Pentecost, just so we know. Day of Pentecost is, is that's why some churches, are, they're called Pentecostal, because on this day, it was actually a Jewish holiday. They were meeting together, the disciples, 120 of them. They were praying in the upper room and waiting on God. It was the day of Pentecost, which is a Jewish feast. There was three feasts every year that specifically the men had to come back to Jerusalem in order to celebrate the, the feast. Now, there's other feasts that they could celebrate in their own town. But this one, um, the day of Pentecost, was also the day of first fruits. Okay, that was, you've, if you've read the Old Testament, you've probably seen the day of first fruits. That's what this day is. So this isn't a Christian holiday. This was a Jewish holiday, a celebration. It was day of first fruits. And, they, and so because of that, there were people coming from all over the known world at the time. And when we get a little bit later on, we'll see all the, the areas that were represented. And so they're coming to worship God, and this is where God, Jesus, God, he desires to birth his church, which I think is wonderful because it's the day of first fruits. The first fruits of the kingdom of God are about to be born in a preaching of a message with 3,000 people about to get saved. So Lord, help us to be part of that first fruits. We want to see the fruit of, of our labors. We want to see the fruit of what you did in our lives. And he wants to use us to do that. And, and how does he do it? The very first part is that the disciples were all with one accord. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that this morning. So what is being in one accord? Uh, it, it, means, it means a number of things. But one of the things it means is, is being in one place. That's part of the definition is that they were together in one place. But it's, it doesn't just stop with that. It goes on a little bit more. Let me read to you here out of Strong's. It says, being unanimous, having mutual consent, being in agreement, having group unity, having one mind and purpose. And then it, go, it, it goes on in, in my study Bible here. It says, the disciples had an intellectual una- unanimity in emotional rapport and volitional agreement in the newly founded church. Lots of big words, right? In each of its occurrences, this word, homothumadon, shows harmony leading to action. So being in one accord is not just about being in one place. It's about having one mind about the purpose that they're there for. And, and this is why we, I want to stop with this one little section here. Because in order for this church, for the church of God to live and to thrive, we need to be in one accord. We need to be agreeing and walking towards the same thing. If we want to see God moving in our midst, if we want to see the things of God explode, if we want to see our friends and neighbors come to Christ, the church of Jesus Christ needs to be in one accord. And so I want to talk a little bit about that because right away we're having some issues where your mind is probably going, you know, that's the problem in the church. There's no agreement. That is not true. There's a lot of gr- agreement in the church today, in, in not just a building in a portion of the body of Christ, but even throughout the valley. We, I meet with other pastors every month, um, and sometimes we're going to be getting together with some of the pastors on, a, on a, another evening this, to pray and to talk and to fellowship. We have a lot of agreement. We don't agree on everything. But that's not what's being talked about here. 
Being in one accord does not mean that they were all in agreement about everything. And, and if that, because if we have to be in agreement about everything, we're in trouble. Because right now, I'll say this. Raise your hand if it's Broncos. Raise your hand if it's Panthers. Right? And some of you go, I'm not going to watch the game. Right? So, you know... We, 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 can't even, we can't agree on who's gonna, which team we want to win. We, we can't agree um, in this room about which presidential candidate we like or, or which ones we don't. We can't agree on the color of the carpet. We can't agree on a whole bunch of things. Even we have silly things like, well, I like Toyota. Well, I like Honda. I like, right? We don't agree on everything. And if the, the requirement for us to see the church of God explode is that we agree about everything like they must have, then we're in trouble. That's not what one accord means. It, it can't. Because there was, there was 120 people up in the room. And I've, I, I've never seen 120 people agree on everything. I don't think I've ever met two people that agreed on everything. I mean, I've met a couple people that agreed on most things, but not on everything. So it's not about that. What does being in one accord mean? We've got to figure that out and, and see. And I believe that some of the things about being in one accord is, is being in agreement about the mission. Having a mission and being agree- in agreement about the mission. Think about the, the, the 12 disciples. So we had some that were fishermen, some that were tax collectors, right? We had, we had a, a various people of different ages, plus all of their, uh, the, the other people that were in the room. We don't know too many of them. Probably each of the disciples had some people that they knew that were part of their circle of influence. Their family members and friends were part of that 120, and so they're, they're going to differ about the best place to live. Well do, you, well, do you know which, where do you like? Do you like to live in, you know, in this area or this area? Do you want to live in Capernaum? Or, and they didn't agree on any, a lot of things. But Jesus Christ entrusted to them to birth the church. And this is what they agreed on. Jesus said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Why? Because I've told you that you need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Baptize and make disciples. That's the mission of Jesus Christ for his church. That's the purpose that we exist for. There's a lot of other things that we do along the way. As we read through the book of Acts, we're going to find Paul planting churches and working with people and disagreements even within the, in the churches. In fact, Paul uh, had, a dis- had disagreements with the believers. He had a disagreement with Peter. Uh, Peter was, was acting one way with the Jews and another way with the Greeks, and Paul actually confronts him to his face and says, you're, you're a hypocrite and you're leading Barnabas astray. And Barnabas was one of Paul's companions. In fact, Barnabas was on the scene before Paul. Paul Barnabas was a Christian. He was on the scene before Paul, and we're going to find that out later. And he comes and he finds Paul, and he begins to, to help Paul get established and brings them to the other disciples. So we see Paul coming and confronting Peter about this um, being circumcised thing. And they, they decide, you know, Peter repents, and, and that works out well. Shortly after that, Paul is going on a mission with Barnabas and he wants and Barnabas wants to take along John Mark and John Mark left them a, a while back and he, he betrayed them and Paul says no we're not going to take John Mark you know he's not faithful and so Barnabas says no I think he is and they get in a dispute so what happens Barnabas takes John Mark with him and they go one way and Paul takes Silas and goes another way there's not even always agreement in the church 
The Gentiles were coming in. There was issues there. So it's not about being in agreement about everything, but it is about it being in agreement on mission, understanding that the mission is the most important thing. The mission is the most important thing. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize. What's the motivation? I think you have to be on, uh, understand the same motivation, and that's where we have a problem in the church. See, sometimes we actually want to agree about doing the same thing, but we have a wrong motivation. And the motivation is selfishness sometimes. It's about us instead of the mission. And if our motivation is wrong, we find ourselves criticizing instead of loving. So the motivation. These disciples had their lives utterly changed. You know what I, what I see? Young Christians hardly ever have disputes with other Christians. New Christians hardly ever have disputes with other churches or other Christians. If you've been in the church very long, it's always the new Christians that say, hey, let's get together with that church. Let's get together with that church. Let's get it with it. Let's do everything all together. They have no problems with any other Christians. Why? Because their life was changed by Jesus Christ and the motivation in their heart is pure. Their motivation is, I once was blind. And now I see. And I want everyone to see. And I want, and they don't care about, you know, all these other things that we have differences as well. Do you have to speak in tongues to show that you're baptized in the Spirit or not? You know, do you, how do you get baptized? Is it sprinkling or is it dunking? You know, what, what's the formula for this? And they go, I just, all I know is I was lost and I accepted Christ and he changed my life. And so their motivation is so pure that because that's just really not about them, it's just about Christ. I believe that the disciples in the early days, their motivation was about seeing Christ preached in the world. And it wasn't about them. Funny thing is, is as we go a little bit further, we actually see that the, the reason they're having issues in the church in Acts, and then the letters, remember the letters that Paul wrote are, are letters written to the people that they evangelize in the book of Acts, they have all these problems again. And you trace them back. Well, part of the problem is motivation. You know, why does this one want to do this and the other one? Because they're beginning to get selfish again. They're thinking about themselves, preaching Christ for the wrong motivation, for the wrong reasons. We have to get back and understand what the original mission of the church is. It's to preach the gospel, to make disciples, and to baptize. Our motivation is that the world would know Christ because he set us free. And the motivation needs to be the same. I want to talk a little bit about, about that. And that's where I want to spend some time this morning. What's driving us? What's happening in the church today? Why are we so critical? Are we fulfilling these things? Church, Jesus wants us to, to live in, in unity and be in one accord with one another. I want to read some of the scriptures and t- talk about what, what um, Christ wants of us there's they're called the one another's the one another scriptures in the bible and these are really things that god wants us to do with and for one another and what and, and actually these are in alphabetical order so we'll, i think they're in alphabetical order we'll see if i got them all right one of the things that the bible says that we're supposed to do is we're supposed to accept one another that's in romans chapter 15 Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Are we accepting of one another? Are we judging? It says to admonish 
one another. Admonish one another. This one is a hard one because a lot of us, we don't want to be admonished or corrected or challenged. We want to come. We want to, we want to worship God. We want to do what we want to do. But, you know, don't get into my stuff. See, see this, this bubble here? See this line? This is my area. That's your area. You stop there. I live here. Don't come into my area. Don't admonish me. Don't correct me. Don't challenge me. But the Bible says, admonish one another. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. So there is, thank God that he, you know, he put this in here. We're supposed to admonish one another, but we admonish one another as the word of Christ dwells in us richly. So we're not admonishing out of our own stuff, of our own selfish ambitions or greed or whatever else. We're admonishing one another because the word of Christ is dwelling in us. And then it says, you admonish with wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So, so it's important to admonish, but read the scripture and only admonish if you're going to do it this way. Are you doing it full of richness in the word of God? Are you doing it with gratitude in your heart? Is there wisdom in it? And is it something that you can do with the person and then worship God with psalms and hymn and spiritual songs? If you admonish somebody and every time they kind of walk away despondent and you feel more superior to them, you're not fulfilling the scriptures. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, Galatians says, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. See, these scriptures are some of the ones that this is evidence of walking and being in one accord. We want to build up one another, Romans chapter 14. Let, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification, which is building one another up. We need to care for one another, truly care. The Bible calls us to comfort. How are we doing? You know, the Bible calls us to confess our faults one to another. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Well, let's, let's put that with the next one because if I'm going to confess my faults to you, or you're going to confess your faults to me, you're going to want this next one. Be devoted to one another. If you're going to confess your faults to me, you're going to want to make sure that I'm devoted to you. I need to be devoted to you. I need to be safe if you're going to confess your sins to me. You need to be safe if I'm going to confess my sins to you. If you're devoted to me, you're safe because you love me. It says love one another too. Forgive one another, which sometimes happens if you confess your sin who's against them, then they've got to be ready to forgive you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I don't know if I'm ready for that one yet. <laughs> but even just greeting one another. You know, I, I hope if you're visiting or when you first came to the church that when you got here, you were greeted. You felt like, wow, this, this somebody, this, these people are nice. I hear that testimony about this church. It's just that I felt very welcomed and cared for. And they walk in, they're greeted by people. And then even after you know, people sit down, I mean, there's, I just love to see some of you, you know, just going up to new people and greeting and talking to them. We need to greet one another. Come early, greet somebody, get a cup of coffee and love them. Bible says to be honest with one another. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. 
You know that Colossians 3.9, be honest with one another. That's hard. Because sometimes we like to tell our little stories about ourselves. Let's, let's be, live in truth. Let's be honest. This isn't being in, in one accord. Honor one another. That's giving, you give honor where honor is due. Be hospitable to one another. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Romans 12, 5 says this, So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. That means that you don't belong just to yourself. Your life, your ministry, your body, your everything belongs to the rest of the body of Christ. Be members to one another. Pray for one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Serve one another. Spur one another on. Submit to one another. One of the things I, I see, I've seen it in myself. I see it sometimes happening at church. We've been, Shannon and I have been listening to a devotional, doing devotional with Rick Warren. He's been talking a lot about, a lot of criticism. I've criticized, I've been criticized. It's been really helpful to listen to these because you know, Rick Warren, he says, you know, the more successful you are, the more you're going to be criticized. Just true. The more successful you are, the more you're going to be criticized. And I tell you, I, uh, that man, I mean, he gets criticized a lot. It, it doesn't take long to read a newspaper article or Facebook post about how bad he is. You know, his son committed suicide. And people were criticizing him that he must have done something wrong for his kid to kill himself. We would never do that to somebody that we knew, but we have, a f- have the freedom to do that to somebody on a Facebook post or something. Well, why? Because he's successful. And really, what, part of the thing that's the reason I think it's happening is because we're honestly, we're just jealous. He's successful. You know, we, we'll, we'll find fault in a lot of the things that people who are successful do because it, it makes us feel bad about ourselves. I don't know. I mean, I, find out which one it is for you because we all have a tendency to do this. You may have found victory. Maybe you're finding victory to not do it, but this is where many of us, most of us, have a tendency to go is to criticize those that are, that are more successful than ourselves. You know, here, here's one. This is really funny. It's not, but it's, it, it's, maybe it is. Oh, that guy who won the, 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 the lottery? Yeah, he'll probably be broke in a season because everyone who wins money, they end up broke. You know why we say that? Because we're kind of jealous that they won the money. And he's probably not going to be a good steward with it. And he's going to do all these things. And it's just natural, this criticism that comes up. Romans 14 says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Be devoted to one another. Encourage one another. Speak life to one another. When somebody has a success, celebrate the success. Let's live in one accord. Now, I want to be fair because, you know, when, when, when you teach a lesson, it's really easy to just stack up all the scriptures you want to say exactly what you want and miss some of the other ones. Because I was saying, you know, being in, a, in accord doesn't necessarily mean being in agreement with one another about everything. And then I found 1 Corinthians 1.10. I'm like, oh, what do I do with this one? Because, you know, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Ooh, 
Can we do that? Can we agree with one another? So I, 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 I had to look at that and say, is that saying agree with everything? I still don't think so. Have you ever heard the, the, even the term, we agree to disagree? You know, we agree to disagree. We have our own opinions. But it says, so that there be, may be no divisions among you. So we can disagree, but we need to agree on Jesus. I had a, had a fun thought this morning, and, and you know, there's only a few of you raised your hand for the Super Bowl, so I, you know, this is probably going to fall kind of flat. I thought about putting like Panthers over here and Broncos over here and letting you sit at the right side of the room, right? <laughs> you know, just kind of be fun. But what I was going to then do is put a big banner in my mind. This is what I saw. I wasn't going to do it. In my mind, I saw a big banner in the, that took up the whole roof, the whole ceiling, that said Jesus. See, we might be Broncos or Panthers, but we're under Jesus. See, it's Jesus who unites us. We're all the same that way. There's a good movie. We're going to do it as a family movie night, but if you want to go out ahead of time and watch it, it's called Woodlawn. Has anyone seen Woodlawn yet? Oh, you've got to watch. It's a true story about an event that happened in the 50s. Uh, the 50s, wasn't it? Actually, was it in the 60s? Yeah, it was 60s. Thank you, because it was too early in the 50s. Um, I think the first scene might have been the 50s. But it was all about the racial segregation. And there was a football team that had some black players on it. And they had a revival happen in the football, t- in, their, in their team. And they started doing really good. And then a revival happened in their their uh, rival team. It's kind of like, like what might happen if, if a revival happened in Big Bear and then it also happened at Rim of the World. Because, you know, that's been our rivals forever. Rim of the World is our, you know, that's how we've always fought in football. I mean, it got so bad, probably back in Greg's day, they were still doing it. They were doing, they had to stop playing each other sometimes because they would wait down at the dam and rock our bus throw rocks at it there were times that we were going over there doing the same things i'm sure <laughs> see this rival has been going on a long time and i was, i can't remember you uh, doug when it was that we actually i think we stopped playing playing them for three or four years because it was getting so heated that this rivalry that they had to let everyone graduate before they went and played them again I mean, right? This is, this is, so this is kind of like what was happening in Woodlawn. But, but they found Christ. And the two star players of each team were getting together and praying for one another and loving one another because, yeah, sure, they were Woodlawn and I forget the other team, but they were united under Christ. And that's what God is calling us to be is understand that we have differing opinions and we have even ministries that we are more, uh, that God is calling us individually to. Some people say, I just want to feed the poor. And some people says, I want to reach out to young kids. And some people says, I have a heart for elderly people. And and those are all wonderful ministries. But we have to remember that it's all under Christ. And just because somebody doesn't want to partake with your ministry doesn't make them bad. You don't want to help me feed the poor? Well, you must not be saved. No, they've got a different calling in Jesus. We're all under Jesus. One accord. They're under one mind, and that mind is not the the idiosyncrasies. It's the big things. In fact, we've heard this, and it's been actually... um, said to be, the, the, the person who said it was not, it's been uh, accredited to Augustine, but Augustine, it, it, this might be the first time you hear this, it was not Augustine who said this, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, 
and in all things charity. It's been a great, it's a great, it's, it's a saying, it can really, really drive a lot of us. In the essentials, we need to have unity. In the non-essentials, we need to have liberty. And in all things, we need to have charity. It was actually a German theologian in the 17th century that said this, and is, I can't even say his name, probably Rupertus Meldenius. I'm glad we don't save those names anymore. <laughs> Rupertus, good to see you. In the essentials, unity. Well, what are the essentials? This is, this, is, this is where we believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God incarnate who died for our sins, he gave us a commission to preach the gospel and baptize and to make, make disciples of all nations. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, that outside of Christ there is no redemption, there's no forgiveness. These are the essentials. There's a lot of non-essentials that we have disagreements with with, all the, with churches all over the valley. All over the valley, we just we dis- we disagree on things. We maybe some are more liturgical, and they believe that we we believe even even in things that seem a little bit bigger. In the Catholic Church, they teach transubstantiation, which means that this wafer is actually the real body of Jesus; that it becomes Jesus's body. And I I don't I, I think it's kind of a strange thing myself. And they believe that this juice becomes his actual blood. Now, some Catholics don't know that that's what the Catholic Church believes. They just never heard it. I don't think so. But that's non-essential. That's really non-essential. So there's liberty. I'm not, there's, okay. We got this out of a box on top of the fridge. In fact, this stuff is probably years old, I don't know, because this stuff never goes bad. It's like, I don't know, manna or whatever. No, manna did go bad. And th- this is called a matzah cracker. And I don't think Jesus' body lives in a box above the fridge. But I am not going to make a big deal of that. I don't think it's... That's, that's a non-essential. If, they believe, if, I believe, if I'm wrong... And, and I'm being, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm being really sacrilegious then. I've never found a scripture that says I'm going to go to hell for not believing that this is the actual body of Christ. That's a non-essential. You tracking? And the non-essential's liberty. Hey, we can agree to disagree. Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, Liberty. He, well, that's the, the hard part. He says, Ben, depending on the translation, it says, this is my body. See, we say that it represents my body, and he said, this is my body. And so the, is there room for their doctrine to come to pass? There is. That's why, that's why we have differences in the church. There's scriptures that can lean one way or the other, just like in, in tribulation, just like in a lot of the things that we hold fast to. But what I'm saying is that they, we have to have liberty. Because right here in this group, if we go tribulation, we're going to have divisions. We're not going to agree on it. But it doesn't matter what you believe. Someday we're going to go to heaven. We'll find out who was right. You know, I, I, I've always joked, I said, wouldn't it be fun if God says, so be it according to your faith? Some of you are already getting this. If you believe in, in pre-trib, you're going pre. If you're going post, you're going post. So be it according to your faith. You could have got out of here seven years earlier if you would have believed it was pre-trib. <laughs> oh, that's not the way it works, but liberty. 
Liberty. I, I, I can really enjoy having a conversation with somebody else who can enjoy having a conversation where we totally disagree on, on some of the extra doctrines, our theology, our we just talk about it. They say, oh, that's, oh, that's interesting. And, I, you know, and, and we just get to the end and we, we disagree. I remember a pastor's meeting. It was here in the valley. I wasn't at it. And it was, it was with the Pentecostal, the spirit-filled um, pastors. But there was one pastor from another traditionally non-charismatic church. I think it might have been the Lutheran church. And, they, were ha- and it, they, they got together and they had prayer meetings. Uh, they were having prayer meetings about once a month at the time. And together and and there was all of the charismatic pastors plus the the one non charismatic church pastor and and one of the guys said would would it be okay i just really feel like we're supposed to pray in tongues this morning is that okay with everyone and everyone said that's fine so they started praying in in tongues and they had this prayer meeting that lasted 45 minutes to an hour and at the end one of the pastors charismatic pastors went to the, the Lutheran pastor, whatever, whoever it was, and he says, I didn't know that you spoke in tongues. And he says, I don't. He says, but I didn't want to stop what God might be doing here today. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. You know, love needs to bind us together. We need to love one another no matter what. We love when, when somebody who doesn't know Christ comes to this church, we love them. We don't pick out their sins. We all have sin in our life. We love them with the love of Christ. Whether they're saved or unsaved, whether they're Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, charismatic, we love. In all things, let love cover that multitude of sin. We need to be people who are known by our love one for another, as John says. They'll know us by our love. Unfortunately, sometimes we're too well known for the things that we don't like. I'm not, we're not, I don't want to go too far to this because love doesn't mean that you agree with everything. I mean, love does not mean that you agree with everything. Some of you have family members that do horrific, horrendous things with their life. Some of you might have family members that have, they're in prison. Maybe they've murdered somebody. Maybe they've done something awful. And yet there's something in you that says, I still love them. When somebody's wrapped into drugs and they're stealing to support their drug habit and they're a, fr- a, f- a friend or a family member, it's really easy in those moments to say, well, yeah, but I still love them. But you're not going to say, so because I love you, it's okay to keep doing what you're doing. So that's not what love is. So we're not talking about condoning it, but we're talking about love. We just love. Let love be our guide. Love them in Jesus' name. So the disciples were there in one accord. They were agreeing about the things that are most important, even though it was, it was going to be different. They had different ideas about certain things. They said, no, Jesus said to wait until we're endued with power, and then we're to go and preach the gospel. And we believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And so they were there, and they were in prayer. That's, a, that's another important part. They were there. Now, now I want to talk about the other definition of one accord. Part of the, I should say, part of the definition of one accord is not just being in agreement, but it is also being in the same location. 
Sometimes we as Christians, and it's getting more and more popular and prevalent, say, I'm going to do my Christianity at home. I'm going to do my Christianity at home. I agree with you guys, and Jesus is the way, but I just don't really like this or whatever, whatever the reason is. And they're, and they're finding new ways to do Christianity, and they're doing it at home. But part of the, the, the definition of being in one accord with the rest of the believers is actually being in one location and in agreement. And there was 120 of them. So this is a decent gathering of people. It wasn't a small group. I actually think that all the disciples probably had their own, what we would call a small group today, but they didn't call it that because they were just living life. And they, you know, you had Philip or you had, you know, John, James, and, and they probably had a group of people around them, their close friends and their family members that they were pouring into and discipling, and they were meeting all the time at their own house. But you also see them getting all together, being in one accord, one place. Church, when we will gather together as the church and pray and seek God and agree on His mission, which is to preach the gospel, to make disciples, to baptize, I believe we're going to see the power of God come. When we stop criticizing one another for that music style that they like or that, that preacher that they listen to sometimes and we divide ourselves among all these lines, even within the little churches that we have, we're losing the power and the unity that God wants to bring. And we can say, you know what? In, in the essentials, there's unity. In the non-essentials, there's liberty. And in all things, there's charity. They were with one accord in one place. I want to see more. I want to see more for our, our church. And I, God is doing something. I think it's just, it's, we're in a wonderful place. That I believe that there's going to be an explosion of growth and depth of ministry here. It's a wonderful time to be part of this body, and I pray the same thing for every church in Big Bear. Every church in Big Bear that's preaching the gospel, every church in Big Bear that's preaching the gospel needs to have an explosion of growth and faith happening in there because there is plenty of people in this valley, especially if you consider Saturdays and Sundays on a snowy weekend, that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that need to be discipled, baptized, and it's happening. You know, on any given Sunday, we have about, uh, about 25% of the people here, are, are, there's kids. So if there's 60 adults, there's about 15 kids over being ministered to. I mean, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. And those young people are having the Word of God preached, and they're being poured into with God. The same thing is happening for us. And I see people getting involved in life groups and, and growing in their faith. Out in the hallway, it says, it says, one step closer to Jesus. We're all on a journey. Let's keep on the journey together. Remembering that the journey is not about me. It's not about you. It's about what God did for us and what he wants to continue to do. You know, this week, let's, let's ask God to help us to fulfill these one another scriptures and, and to be humble and to understand his mission. Ask Him to reveal our true motivation and ask our, Him to give us the right motivation to do what we do. And then know that we're part of a great body of Christ. If this isn't your home church, I, I pray that you have a home church that you're connected to on a regular basis. If it's not here, if this isn't it, find one. Find one that you'll be committed to 
to grow and do these uh, one another's of scriptures. There's a lot of great churches in this valley. If you've been coming for a while, checking it out, and you go, this isn't the church for me, I'll personally introduce you to other godly pastors in here so that you don't get lost along the way because it's important that we're part of a local expression of the body of Christ as we're working together to fulfill the mission and, and understand our motivation. We need to be in the same location with other believers on a regular basis. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you want to do, what you did in the early church and what you want to do today. God, you didn't, you didn't leave us aimless and hopeless, God, but you sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of us to give us power. Power for godly living and power to evangelize. God, I pray that you would help us all to, to know you in a deeper way today, to be challenged, but also to be encouraged that, that we're serving the right God, that we're in the right place. God, I pray that, that anybody in here who's felt judged or condemned would know that they are not. God, I pray that any of us who've con- stood in judgment or criticism of other people, God, would repent of those things and, and live rightly and truly so that we might honor one another instead and encourage one another and love one another. God, that we would see the Great Commission fulfilled in this valley, that we'd be busy about the things that you have for us, lifting your name up, God that we would have true unity with the other believers in this town that meet on a, in a different location on a Sunday. And we would promote their life in Christ just as well. Be with us today, Father. We thank you for the ministry that's happened all over this building today. And we pray that you would continue to move in and through us and help us to be obedient to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.